Hello and welcome to Capes and Tights, a pop culture and comic book podcast. I'm your co-host, Adam Morissette, and this is my co-host, Justin Soderberg. What's up, guys? So today we're going to be discussing the original 90s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies trilogy. Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk movies. I mean, like I said, you know, to to you off air is that we wanted to do this podcast to do like pop culture, comic book stuff, but really movies, TV, all that kind of stuff too. And we thought we'd talk movie reviews, but I don't want to do them in the traditional way that, that some of these people do where it's like, yep. we like this movie, we give it an A plus, or we give it a 68% or a 6.8 out of 10. I want to do these movie reviews as a, we liked it or not. Like it's as simple as yes. that. Cause let's be honest, when I read on IMDB that something got a 7.2, I'm like, cool. 7.2 is 6.8, 8.0 doesn't make a difference to me. That's in that, okay, you should watch that movie exactly. kind of realm. Whereas like a four or a three or a two, I'd still probably watch the movie because I'm not like a person who just reads reviews and listens yes. to things and just goes along with it. But I'd be more apt to like wait on that movie or like, okay, if someone else wants to watch it with me kind of thing. And so I yep. feel like reviews are always subject anyway, uh, subjective. Uh, and so that it's not easy just to be like, A plus. I would just say, <clears throat> we no. recommend watching this movie. That's it. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to do some stuff. We're going to talk uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, uh, the original movies. There's some ones that have come out later, which are not my favorite movies for sure. I think there's something about this original trilogy that just always draws me back into wanting to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja yes. Turtles. And even reading the comic books, you know, Adam and I've read the comic books, the variation, various versions of the comic books over the years. This in the animated shows and all that stuff. This is to yep. me like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to me. Like when I was growing up, I mean, it's it's hate to say Without that a, doubt. a comic book podcast that the movies were more me, but this is the the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that I remember. Is these uh, Jim Henson suits? Yes, that they are animatronics and all that stuff. So this is what we're gonna do today. We're gonna talk the first movie, the second movie, and the third movie. We'll touch on each one of them, and then we'll talk the whole trilogy as a whole. Uh, and then I want to give some input on like. I wish they would do some more that were like this uh, at the end. So, sure. but we can talk a little bit about that. So, want to just dive right in, or do you want? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. No, so I think I'll, let's just. Let me start off with uh, the first movie and just give a. Little, I'll do a breakdown on the first movies or movies when they came out. So, the first movie did it come out in '89 or '90? I believe it came out at the very end of '89. Um, although it is listed as '90 on here, but I read a couple places that it was actually right at the end of 89 but let's just let's say 90 that's okay i see let's that see on, here. on here so i think that's 90. okay maybe it was really like, uh, like scheduled to be released early in that whatever 1990 so let's go 1990 exactly. the original movie um it's rotten tomato score of 40 percent. so the rotten tomato score is the critics score of what they give it on the, on there but there's an audience score of 81 percent, which which makes a little bit more sense i mean critically i can understand why they put the movie at 40 percent but audience score again it hits like and it's probably that rotten tomatoes came out obviously way after the first movie came out so if you think about when someone's rating the movie when they go on to rotten tomatoes nowadays you're rating it not only on the movie but you're rating it on a nostalgic factor like oh absolutely you know, right now we're in a nostalgic world that we all love old stuff and so giving it a higher score knowing that this is the original movie is probably has something to do with it um it's a 6.8 on imdb which is another ratings website you can go to the movie was made for $13.5 million, but I was Adam and I, we, we watched this documentary on it too, but it, the budget originally was supposed to be like 10 or something like that, but they ended up upping it to 13 and a half, but it made $200 million. Yeah. So 
it doesn't really yes. matter what the movie was made for at that point. No. Um, the second well, movie came out in 91. Let's just go on this one really quickly. And then yep, absolutely. 35%, 35% uh, critics, 67% audience, 6, uh, 6.0 on IMDb. $25 million budget made 78.6. And the third movie came out in 93, and that's 22%, 34%, 4.8 and $21 million budget, and only made 54.5. So just that right alone tells yeah. you a little bit about how these movies oh, God, yeah. But we can dive a little bit into a little bit more now um, uh, with the first movie and so on. Yep. So, yeah, um, the first movie, I mean, it, right to what you said, I mean, as we're giving it a review now is not doesn't work because yeah. I, in 1990, I was 11 years old this movie coming out and it honestly is like some of like my first real excited memories of a film. And I know that if you ask 1990 me, I would say no greater film will ever be made. Yes. And that's it. So like you said, that's where reviews don't necessarily work. Cause I think t- to me, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one stood up really well. Um, yes. I, hundred percent. So that's one of the things I'll get into and we can do is we'll do these each movie, but if we have a relation to the other movies, I think what I'll say in the relation that one out of the two and three, one stood the stand of the, the time that the stood the, whatever that saying is stood the yeah. test of time, stood test the of test time, of time. Yeah. whereas number two and number three aged way more than the first movie did. Yes. Um, I think, but part of it is because I think the first movie, it's almost like if they made that movie in 2021 that way, it'd be like paying homage to the early nineties, late eighties. Right. Whereas the second movie and the third movie were like, well, the third movie obviously is traveling through time. So it's a little bit different, but the second and the third movie were almost like you could tell those movies were made in the nineties. And so there's that difference on the, the the three of them. And and, and you mentioned some things on our Slack too, that you can get into about the, the various um, you can tell where the movies were made. But I think the first movie, what i'll okay here's my biggest thing love the suits i'll always love their suits they're wearing their fake you know turtle suits jim henson his team was the one that actually made those suits they have crazy cables in the back of the 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 necks that made the mouth move and there was time there was there was mentioning on that documentary about how there was like an air they were at a place where their airplanes would go by and the, the mouths would move randomly and it's funny because they're all made by radio control and obviously again that's back in the ni- early nineties or obviously it was filmed in the late eighties yep. um, that that technology was very, at the very beginning, if they could even do it better now. So the fact that they keep on going CGI to me is like, I, make CGI. If you're going to do CGI, look like these turtles, the way they make the new movies, they make them look so weird. And so I don't know, not like turtles. I don't I, Right. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I should say. Um, but the fact of the matter is that those suits were like that and they could jump around, they could move in them uh, and they looked real uh, to us as kids was fascinating. Yeah. So I'll always say that the first movie suits were unbelievable. Uh, and and yes. I'll always stand by and say they should have always done it that way, even if they could have done CGI then. I'm glad they did yeah. that. And, and you, Justin and I had just watched this documentary too, which was talking a bit about the suits and how they worked. And um Today, I was reading an article or yesterday and uh, a quote by Jim Henson I hadn't seen on the movie, but um, he was really reluctant to come in just because of his whole image and if this was too dark. And all. But he was quoted as saying when they asked him to do that project at the time for him, the only way to make one of like these shows successful with creatures was there always had to be a new technology that was behind it to make it look cooler and cooler. And he was like, then I came to like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and they wanted nine 
technological innovations to make these suits at the same time. And so I think even from whether it stands up, listening to him say that, man, like that shows you how complicated they were. I mean, it, and it had to make flips in it. You just, the technology of yeah. actually making the mouse move in a way that you believe that they're actually talking to you and watching the first movie, I had no problem thinking that the turtle themselves were speaking. Like that, there was no yeah. delineation between that it's a robot. And I think through the entire first movie, I was like, okay, I can understand Raphael speaking. Um, but this, you know, and going on to, we'll talk about the second and third, as it progressed through the movies, you got less yeah. and less okay with that. And maybe that's the similar thing with, as technology moved that they didn't move as much in those movies. Right. Um, but it was just fascinating to see that they can actually have this technology of that and flip and do these things and do yes. all this stuff in these suits that are like heavy and annoying. I mean, on that documentary we watched, I guess they got a couple of people got sick in the suit because it was so cool. hot yeah. in there and, and people were flipping and not eating and all that stuff. And that the cables went down the back so much that they, when they took the helmets off to breathe, they had to hold, someone had to hold them behind them yeah. because they couldn't just set them down and taking the suits off took too long so it was like they had these suits almost like it was like a head and then this and then there yeah. was the other part where they talked about when the suits were taken off they'd put them over some sawhorses and they'd yeah. leave they pulled the a bunch of sawhorses yeah and there was just like these really weird and them like looking like they're dead turtles on these sawhorses yes. when they walked in the room uh that would have been creepy as hell <laughs> but the suits themselves like that's the whole point like i said the, the first oh, movie yeah. it was the only real movie that was like this at the time and I will always say that again, that stood the test of time. I think it, if they would have made that movie tomorrow the same exact way, I would be very excited to see that movie. Uh, yep. And it's again, I'm, I'm just speaking on the suits at this moment. We'll obviously get into some yep. more things in there, but like um, the suits themselves are believable to the point where I can't. I and mean, again, the movie was made for more like teenagers than it was sure. kid kids. But I mean, people would believe those, those are real turtles. I, I honestly think that you'd think, oh, those are actual real turtles that are human beings. <laughs> I, I just said my mind was blown. I, you know, I remember it clearly. And I think that the whole first movie, like you said, it's just, uh, we like I said, again, if anyone hasn't seen this documentary, well, it was a uh, turtle power, turtle power, the, the definitive history of, uh, yeah, I think it's what it's called. Turtle yeah. power. It was really good. But, um, I think seeing that just what an absolute number of people were involved in making that first movie happen. Mm -hmm. and it goes from those kind of beginnings of nobody wants to take it seriously to even the people that do are taking a gamble. But I think in the end, it makes such a good movie. And, and a lot of it is because you can tell that, um, that Eastman and Laird still had their fingers on it a lot, um, big time. And from what the documentary showed and stuff I've read, you know, they were very reluctant for a lot of the changes that were being suggested. And you can see that. And for those of us, you know, that grew up, reading the comic books the first movie has some actual yes. framed shots from the original comic book that's just makes the whole thing to me that movie just a kind of a time capsule and it's so perfect because it's everything i remember wrapped up in one movie it, it's and it's fascinating to me that the, the the fact that you mentioned that it's direct from the comic book uh, uh the other funny thing is is that the movie was only made six years after the first comic book was released and the first issue yep. was 3000 issues. It was, they had done like, they've done like six or seven printings since then, but it's the fact that they were able to go from comic book drawing release mm -hmm. to a feature film in six years 
yeah. also baffles me that nothing moves that fast in Hollywood anymore. No, I mean the Invincible TV show that that Robert Kirkman just put out on Amazon Prime is that comic book came out years and years and years. I mean, well, like well times ago, like long yep. time ago, ten years ago, and it's still just now got an animated show on a streaming service. The fact that a feature film was able to be produced and made and released to the world and be that successful off of a comic book that was made six years prior. And obviously we do, we were talking the movies, the, the, the live action movies, it obviously we have to respect and, and know that the, the playmates toys and the animated show that came out in conjunction with the playmates toys is really what sold this movie to Hollywood itself and to people. Yes. Um, and so people wanted to see it, but back then it's like, the turtles were a comic book, a toy, and an animated show. Very rarely do people want to do that into a real life movie. The fact that they even took the time yep. and, and and risk to make an actual movie, like a real life people movie, uh, is fascinating to me. And that it did that well in the theaters. Two hundred million dollars yep. in nineteen ninety is a lot of money yep. for a movie. Like, yeah, well, it's like I, I remember the hype so clearly, and it's like, like I said, even the documentary, you can't recapture those moments. Like that movie was the biggest damn thing ever to kids yep. and you know and, and like you said probably into the teenage years and that's was smart with that kind of dark aspect to it i think brought that crowd in but like man like you said the fact that it even happened is crazy yep. the fact that they pulled it off with that level of quality and in, in the late 80s and then release it in 90 is blows my mind i mean it, it, it obviously we're talking right now the movie's not perfect in any stretch of the oh. imagination there is also you cannot when we talk about these movies and these reviews we're going to do other ones too that are trilogies or the entire concept of the movies is that we're, we're relating and talking about them as they are in in relation to them to the other movies they are right. i mean obviously this is not shawshank redemption or you know like it's not these no. movies not schindler's it's not those movies it's not also a one billion dollar infinity war movie like it's not the same this is the 90s but if you think about 200 million dollar box office in 1990 i mean there's yeah. movies nowadays that don't bring that much money in and yep. that's tickets are twice as much it's twice as expensive it's they're readily available there's more theaters all that stuff yep. like the, the fact that they made 200 million dollars off of a 13.5 million dollar budget was tremendous unbelievable and they said the yep. movies themselves weren't perfect there's definitely some fun things that i wanted to point out too is that the sewer layer is amazing the 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 the, the way they set it up and all that stuff is, is awesome oh, yeah on all the movies um the funny one my favorite thing in the first movie just the fun things were the fact that casey jones didn't recognize that that Raphael was a turtle when he was fighting in the in the, in the park and he was wearing a hat and then yep. the hat falls off and they're like, Oh my God, what are you? And it's the funniest thing. Cause I'm like, it's like the Clark yep. Kent of Superman thing where it's oh, yeah. like when his glasses are on, you don't know he's Superman, but when his glasses are off, all of a sudden out of nowhere, you know, he's Superman. The same thing with Raphael. You didn't know he was a giant turtle with a hat on a trench coat, but the second his hat falls off, you're like, what the hell is that? It's Which like, if really, Oh my God, I'm a completely different person. I know. It's, it's, but like <laughs> at its core, that's such the brilliance of the whole turtle thing yes. from the beginning is like the whole like fact in the comics again, if you've read them, but the movie, if you haven't does such a good job is like, they really take like their training seriously and being ninjas, they are turtles. That is the yes. dumbest thing ever, but it works. And, um, and like I said, I think that just kind of the whole series works like that because it's like you said, like you don't, you don't even have to worry anymore about why nobody thinks Raphael's a turtle because he has a trench coat on. He's a talking ninja turtle. Like yes, 
Exactly. And I think that's fun. It's that stuff we talk about of like, I don't always want to think too deep yes. about why this works. It just works. And I like it. And, 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 you know, like I said, the fact that the turtles, that's by turtles. And I, like I said, this is going to go, I'm, I'm part of the uh, Ben Bishop's Bish kids group. And we have a discord that we yep. talk on and stuff like that. And I'm probably, I mean, some of those people might listen to this podcast and I, I don't want to get ostracized for this, but it's like, obviously the turtles comic books are a big thing in the world. That's where it started mm-hmm. and so on. But like I said, this is my turtles from growing up. I, this is Absolutely. what got me into Ninja Turtles. I obviously wasn't reading. I mean, I grew up in new England, so I could have potentially stumbled upon an issue. Number one of, of, of uh, Teenage sure. Ninja Turtles. And I wish I did now because one just sold for almost $250,000. But the this was my combo. And the same thing, this is my Casey Jones. Uh, I, Casey Jones for all of eternity is going to be Elias Cotius, who we played at Casey Jones in this movie. That's who it's going to be to me. That's Casey Jones. When I picture him, the long hair, yep. Elias in that movie is great. However, did you know that Christian Slater, Johnny Depp, and Keanu Reeves were all considered for the role of Casey Jones? That is well, dang, yeah. Can you imagine how different of a, of a film this would have been oh, Johnny Depp was Casey Jones. Honestly, yeah, I, I don't. The other, I mean, like Christian Slater, I could have seen Christian Slater yeah. was a, the 90s, he's that thing. But Johnny Depp and Keanu Reeves' careers have gone so much further now that I'm wondering oh, if the trajectory of their careers would have been different if he was in this movie or it would have been better or worse. But just think about yep. Jack Sparrow from freaking, you know, in, in Edward Scissor's hands as. Casey Jones. That's just the funny, yeah. like it just made me laugh. It freaking Matrix, you know, he Keanu Reeves is in the Matrix and John Wick movies. He was Casey Jones. And we've been in a different oh, world, God. I believe. And it's funny. It's I feel like world. for where Keanu Reeves was then, that would have been yeah. the worst casting ever. Because <laughs> exactly. he would have had to have been like, Whoa, dude, what's up? And that would have been way too much of that right off the bat. I thought Elias um, play is perfect. I thought he was great. I mean, again, and actually something you just said that I think is huge to is uh you know, like I talk about the Turtles comics a lot too. So I think, but full disclosure, I mean, I'm really getting into the Turtles with the cartoon mm-hmm. originally. And when it first comes out, I'm probably eight, seven. I'm trying to do the math, but doesn't matter, yeah. close enough. And so for me, it was like the comic and then I, the cartoon, I had also seen the comics. And so I started reading, the, getting the like collected editions and reading through them. So really though, like you said, the movie is where, most people really buy into this. Um, the, the comics now I like to talk about, but like you said, they yeah. were they were a ni- very niche group of people that were finding these and reading these. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it's the movie. The cartoon even was fantastic, but that movie just like it and, brought everybody to the comics and the cartoon. And back then too, in the nineties, I don't know if if people aren't are aren't huge toy slash comic book animated show 90s people like, like we are is right a lot of the things that were created in the 90s that you see on the toy shelf or comic books related to them were animated shows first and that's how they sold toys there wasn't advertising yes. it wasn't like here's a big ad on tv there was but like that wasn't it their advertising was let's put a six episode animated series on yes. tv that kids want to watch on saturday morning and then they go to their parents and say for christmas i want the four turtles from playmates that's how they right. sold things. That's why they even got even on TV is that they got a deal yep. with Playmates. But Playmates is like the only way we're going to sell these toys is if we make an animated show to go with it. And the success yep. of both the toy line, the animated series, and then obviously the the comic book was what they made the movie based off of. So, but as this this is great to see the opposite in a sense that it moves yep. so fast that a, a live action movie, I mean, was made six years yep. and it was of this 
success, like this amazingness and, and, and yep. I, which, which then fueled, fueled number two. Um, I'm going to get in number two in a second, but I wanted a couple more things. I wanted to lie. Yep. I love the scene where Casey Jones, we're in the old house and Casey Jones is cutting the veggies with his sword. That's yep. my favorite. Like I was like looking at it. I'm like, there's knives. There's gotta be knives there somewhere or something, but he's just like this nope. massive sword. And he's just like, <laughs> that's why he pulls off that character so well, because the whole thing is you're like, where do you live? What are you? Who are you? And so like, of course, all he carry, he chops everything with his sword. He probably does it at home too. Like, it's, which, just, is, which yeah. makes me sad because I really wish they go back into his backstory. I wish there was a, I would love a Casey yes. Jones movie. Honestly, Casey that, Jones is one of my favorite Turtles characters of all time. Honestly, so a, I, a, Casey a Casey Jones, Jones movie now with Elias playing yes. an older Casey Jones with what's going on too in the comics now would yes. be fantastic or make a awesome. series. Yes. I mean, give a dark like, one. That would a very I mean, dark one. Like, I mean, I love his, I love what they portrayed him as Casey Jones as in the newer series, comic book series as well. And yeah. so on. So, and obviously in the, in the, last Ronin series he's Casey Jones is a different character but not in a different character uh, which actually drops right. today when this episode releases uh number four comes uh last Ronin number four comes out as well so uh go pick that up if you can or read that series which is really good um the only other thing I would say about the first one that didn't work very well with me the Foot Clan just looked weird like I don't the, the suits I, I don't know I know it's there's a reasoning behind it and all that but like I don't know I just feel like that was the one where it was just like they look like bug-eyed weird I don't know. It was just weird. And obviously and I, also, how they found that many people who know martial arts in exactly. New York city at, yes. at once that quickly, they want to be underground foot clan people yep. also surprised me. And I would, and I would say that's fair. If I was going to give a big criticism of the first one, it would be that for as much work as they put into really bringing the turtles to life, the foot clan and shredder, honestly, yes. just kind of oh, yeah. suck. Yeah. I mean, like, by the time they build up Shredder at the end, like the fact that they can't just beat him up and be done doesn't compute. Cause I'm like, there's no way the four of you can't yes. do this. Yes. You know, but so that's just maybe bad character building, but. And, and that's um, also one of those things where sometimes studios have more of a say than the actual creators do, even though we know that, that sure. Eastman and Laird were created and, and involved in this movie. The fact that the studios are still like, we're going to do this. And this is a perfect segue into the second movie, Secret of, of the Ooze, that came out yep. in 1991, is the fact that Eastman and Laird didn't want Shredder to be the villain in number two because no. they were done. Here's the, also the funny thing is, and you look at comic books, and you look at things, and these people who are like big villains that come onto the TV shows and so on. Um, like in The Walking Dead, for example, Negan was the villain for a very long time, even though he was only in The Walking Dead comic books for a short period of time. Same thing with the right. governor and so on. The same thing at Shredder. In the original series, the Mirage series of Shredder, Shredder dies in issue one. Right. So like the fact that he's in two movies is like, okay, come on. We're, we're past this. Let's go on. And then Eastman and right. Lair were both like, we have tons of great villains yes. we could use. Well, and, and, they and ended the up cartoon going had already, yes, the cartoon had beat Shredder to death. I mean, it was it, every week was Shredder, Krang, Bebop, Rocksteady. Yeah. And, and, and so I, they just, yeah. they just, I think you talk about the reason I'm saying I'm trying to transition this together is yep. the suit for Shredder in number two was even worse than he was in the first, like his, 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 his getup, his clothing was even I, worse in the second one than he was in the first one. This is a great point for transition because I have a lot to say about Shredder in the second movie. <laughs> yes, it's I, I love Shredder's like I love the character. He was in my yes. one of my top favorite villains of all time just because of who he is as a character. But like I said, I, it, there's one of those, you know, they planned it in the Marvel Infinity Saga that that the big bad the entire time was Thanos. However, right. they had small bads that they had to be in each 
movie. They were some sort of bad villain character yep. they had to beat. It just seemed like the first two movies, it was like there's no other bad people out there. I mean, obviously, Toka and Razor, obviously, in this movie are are the villains as well. Yeah. But that was just, they were just offspring of, of Shredder, in a sense, that were, you know, right. not even in not in anything else before ever they were created because they couldn't use bebop and rocksteady um due to some right. confusion on who owned the rights to them but like the fact that they used the same villain in both movies just was like okay this is not a tv show a six series six part miniseries you can have the same villain but like this is a separate movie there should be a different villain you have to go after yeah yeah it's it, it's definitely i think one of the problems that has always weighed this series down is just like they too too early on they solidified these kind of it worked in the cartoons because shredder was just a goof in the cartoons but Mm -hmm. that doesn't work anywhere else um but as you said great as we know shredder was not done in teenage mutant ninja turtles the movie one um so so that brings us to two i'll let you start talking about two i get worked up about two well, so so in the long run, so there's certain scenes in number two that that stick up to me. So you know, how, like obviously you've watched all three in a row, um, and most of the time since you were younger, now when you watch one, you do watch all of them. It's part of the reason why I watch trilogy movies or movies that have multiple ones is that you put one in and you get to watch. Oh, let's watch the second one. You get all excited to watch the second one and so on. Even if they're bad, you still go on and watch the rest of them. Exactly. Uh, when I watch the Star Wars, a lot of times if I watch a random Star Wars movie, I'm like, screw this, and you put all the Star Wars movies on. You watch them all. That's just right. how you do it. Uh, and so Secret of the Ooze, there's certain scenes, like the scene of them actually seeing the two of Ooze for the first time and the video game quotes, like, where do you put the quarters and all that stuff. Like, that stuff reminds me of, yep. as a whole series of movies, memories of the movies. But there was a big drop-off from number one to two, but it, it still, I, I still think that it's worth watching. Like, you have to watch Absolutely. this movie to, 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 to know this whole thing. Yep. Suits the the the, yeah, the the turtle suits themselves were were similar from the first one. Again, still Jim Henson, who who originally wasn't going to do this series due to the right. violence in the first movie. And that's my biggest downfall in the second movie. When the first movie came out, it was darker, a little bit grittier. Um, there was this this tonal aspect of it. Where the second one got a little bit more bubbly, and they actually have said it out loud in interviews that it was purposely done that because they wanted to be more of a family friendly movie. Yes, without a doubt. There is no weapons in this movie besides the bow staff um, due to it making it more family-friendly movie. Um, yep. So the idea that they wanted to make it more family-friendly, which was, I understand, this Turtles, this animated show was for kids and da-da-da-da. But the original comic books were dark, gritty. Oh, yeah. They were not made for kids. My, they were made my for- mom would, My mom would not have let me read them when I first started reading them, if she knew what was in them. Because my mom, like many parents, we had the Comics Code Authority, and if I bought Marvel, it was, you know, it's going to yes. be pretty decent. This this was not decent for children. Mm-hmm. Although, I thought it was, so, and I well, turned yeah, out. Right. But it's like, there's definitely things in there where it's just like, come on, like, I understand this. Plus, the ooze is bright green in that mm-hmm. that that uh, scientific lab part. But then when yep. when when Shredder goes to put the ooze into Toka and Razor's cage, it's like it looks like it been mixed with white liquid. It looks like barely green ooze, and I'm like, yeah, it's like it's like cereal milk. Yeah, yes, yeah, like ooze to me is bright green ooze. Like, come on, like that's the way you should ridiculously to, to bright. This. Plus, I mean, also the... <laughs> the, the 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 turtle's fingers are massive, and 
and he's typing on the keyboard to try to find yep. which vial is still there and he's pressing buttons. I'm like, he'd be pushing so many different keyboard buttons right yep. now with those big fat fingers. <laughs> Again, I'm and as think- an adult looking at 35 year old adult, I'm looking at it as a more realistic thing. And obviously yeah. this is not a realistic thing. There's no such thing as real turtles that are that big. But I just laugh as I'm walking, think, watching them. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with that? Yeah, no, the second movie was like, it, it, again, like you said, if you're watching them back to back, it's a bit jarring out of the gate. Yes. Like it's maybe not if you've been watching the cartoons, it feels a bit like that. It's real, like it's one-liners and zingers and physical yeah. comedy and all of that. And once I like stopped and was, and like, again, reminded myself that I'm now 41 years old and I think differently about these things and I can actually think about it in context. I the second one, was it as good as the first? I don't think so at all, but it was fun. I mean, yes. I think I even texted you like the, the whole vanilla ice thing redeemed the whole movie for me because it was so ridiculous. And, and so at that point I was like, okay, everything that's been done is now acceptable. Yes. yes. Because they just danced on stage with vanilla ice. Um, but before we get there, the next thing I need to be with is Taka and Razor. Yeah. Oh God. I say the I mean, suit, okay, okay talk if you about, put, the, put them in the separate context and you just don't just take a picture of them and look at this and like this is cool from a 1990s movie like those are pretty badass looking characters like this like cool looking but in in relation to what they should have been in this movie were yes. random it, it just was like to this point where it was like I, you know it, bebop and rocksteady obviously we know and we can look back on it in 20, right. hindsight's 2020 and so on they weren't able to use bebop and rocksteady right. nowadays if we could if there was bebop and rocksteady i think it would have been redeemed the entire movie this movie might actually oh, been better than the first movie in that I, sense i remember clearly at the time everybody might was so excited that the second movie was probably going to have bebop and rocksteady and when they announced it and it was these new things every like i remember my friends everybody was like i'm out yeah and in- i don't want to learn some new weird characters like so i yeah i think i think that hurt it a lot it, it, it did and, and the fact that they're fighting the i don't know I, the vanilla ice thing is fun that one made me like okay you redeem the entire movie in a sense because also i found out afterwards you know that ninja rap was written in 30 minutes i believe it vanilla ice just, <laughs> rap, just put it out there and was like ninja ninja rap and uh the guy behind the scenes that like the producer of the concert and he's like, call the police. And the guy comes over with the phone. I was like, the police are on the phone. What are you talking about? Get away from me. They love it. I was like, this is so like, I, they just it was fun aspect of it. And the tur- turtles dancing and people standing yep. in there. It, it, that part was fun for sure. Um, one of the things I will say that makes this movie again drop down, and I know why you agree with me on this, is that Judith Hogue wasn't in it. That they replaced oh, yeah. April O'Neil with a different person. Yep. And the reason that is because is she didn't like the first movie. She wasn't a fan of what her part was, all the things that were cut out from what she was supposed yep. to be saying in the first movie and so on and so forth. She didn't like the way it was portrayed. And so she backed herself out. I laugh now, Comic-Con's coming up in Bangor and she's going to be there yep. representing, is that she's she's made a living off of that movie. <laughs> so like, right. I laugh the fact that she didn't want to do two and three and maybe it was her best interest. She was in the best one. She was in the best right. movie and she just said, you know what, peace out. I don't want to do the rest yeah. of them. The rest of them are going to suck. Like she might've redeemed herself by not being in the other two. April yeah. O'Neil in the in the sequel and in the third movie, she's a pretty good character. She's not horrible. I didn't even write her name down in the notes because I don't care because Judith Hogue is my April O'Neil and it, without a doubt, uh, real life because April O'Neil in the animated show is also seared in my mind of just what she looks like and who she yep. is. Um, 
but yeah, the April O'Neil thing. And then Elias, they didn't put Casey Jones in this movie again. At all. And, and at not all. a mention of it. No. And it, right. that's the weirdest part. It's like all of a sudden I know where he wasn't there in, he was there in first episode season, first show or first yep. TV movie, the second or TV movie, the movie, the second movie he's not in. And all of a sudden I know where he's just in the third movie. Like nothing's gone wrong. Like he just shows up. Like where was yeah. he? Where have you been? I was about we to went say, all, I think they we went go through all like, this crap with finding out our, our origin story kind of thing. And yep. where were you? <laughs> like, yeah. we and he walks definitely... in and I think it's like Donatello or something. And yeah. he's like, oh, hey, we haven't seen you for a long time. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. And that's it. That's the explanation for like, he's just okay. been busy. And they had Ernie Reyes be the, the the replacement of him. Not He's not Casey Jones, obviously. He's, what's right. his name in the movie? I forget his name in the movie. Freaking, it's such the K. Um, oh. Yeah. I got it right here. Uh, it starts, yeah, it starts with the K is about what I got for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he was another, he was another character though, that I, you know, he just wasn't real strong yeah. in that movie. Cool. And well, I don't really know what they, what they Kino. wanted him to be. It was Kino. Kino. That's right. I just got well, it up. So, right so here they, they wanted him to be a replacement in a sense to Casey Jones, but here's my thought process right. on it. He didn't, he, when I was younger, when I saw Secret of the U's for the first time, loved him like it was my care he was like oh cool this guy's cool he's edgy he's fun sure. he does the trips he's young and tricks he's young he's making jokes he had a bunch of one-liners and one saying things that were just like but as i get older yeah. and rewatch the movie and like i said number one kind of stands the test of time whereas number two really doesn't is that like okay now they just fall on death okay come on again again with the joke yep again with the thing you know come on like let's yep. just move on um the funny thing is is that Ernie Reyes, who played Kino in the second movie, actually did the stunts in one of the turtle suits in first movie. Yeah. So it's funny how he actually was in the first movie, but not as Kino. He was in the second movie. Um, and that whole opening sequence with them flipping it at the, the, the mall area with him yeah. like going to call. He like he knows martial arts and all this stuff really well, but he goes and calls the police before defending him. It, right. It was this weird thing and then he comes back and they're all stacked up and da 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 and it, i love how the turtles pay for the pizza they didn't just yes. take the pizza they paid for it that was pretty funny um but yeah i just casey jones would have been a great character in this they could have easily done this movie with casey jones in it like i don't oh, understand gosh. why they didn't do it and i think the other this is second because it's the one i'm thinking of specifically but like we watch again saw this documentary and for anybody listening fun facts um one of the things that just absolutely blew my mind was apparently the united kingdom went to war on using the word ninja any depiction of ninja like i dug more into it after the documentary and to the point where like if you saw something that was ninja yeah. and didn't say something like that was quasi illegal so they had to be the teenage mutant hero turtles yeah. and they still i think are to this day officially but for secret of the ooze they had to edit out the scene with him using the sausages as weapons because they were uh, they were too similar to nunchucks and while they hated all weapons nunchucks were right out man yeah like they hated them so that to, that little thing came out in the documentary and when i saw the secret of the ooze i was just like that's amazing it, it, and it, I will preface or, or go back on saying there was no weapons with the bow staff. There is, they do have the size in yes. the, in the, uh, uh, in April's apartment that he stabs the pizza with, but that's like, they don't actually use the weapons in actual fighting. Exactly. And the same thing with the nunchucks. They obviously he's using them, but he's not, he's not using nunchucks because they didn't want to have weapons in this film, which again, to me, was like, I understand no guns. Uh, and we'll get yep. into that in episode or in, in movie three, but like, 
I understand that aspect of it, but I'm like, come on, they're they're Ninja Turtles. Like, come on, they have they have, you know, they they have these weapons. I like right. It it's it's literally me. what they are. Yeah. And, and that's the that was the the weird you know bow staff, and it was just making it more family yeah. friendly. Um, the other one that's cool was you know how Corey Feldman was in the first movie as one of the turtles. He's also right. in the third movie as one of the turtles, but he wasn't in this movie. Do you know why he wasn't in this movie? I don't. He was in rehab. I believe that the first movie he was like on his whole cocaine and heroin, at, at, you know, time. And during the second movie, because it was filmed not that long afterwards, yep. for the success of the first movie. And so he was in rehab, so he couldn't actually be in there. But they brought him back for the third movie um, to do, um, you know, his, his stuff in the third movie. And the, I guess if you had cool... to miss one of them. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, you should have just gotten rehab for both of them, right? I mean, they're both the second and the third right. movie. You could have been a Judith Hogue, Hogue aspect of that. Of just knowing That's true, yeah. Maybe his life would have been different. No, uh, his life definitely wouldn't have been different. No. Uh, the uh, the other things are like the 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 sunflower, uh, not the sunflower. The uh, dandelion going big reminded me a lot of like Honey I Shrunk the Kids, uh, when he yes. breaks off the sun the, the 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 dandelion in the cleanup of the ooze area. Yep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the second movie to me again still is one of those movies that I'll, I'll if I had a choice to be like, okay, you watch two of them, it's gonna be one and two. Um, I, but I've probably forced myself to watch number three. There's something that still, even though a movie is horrible, there's something that still stands out for me. Number three, uh, that we can get into in a second, but there's something sure. that makes you go. I really like that movie still, even though it's bad. It's just, it's, yeah. there's something to say, about it. I mean, I'm a big fan of national treasure and a lot of people hate that movie. I watched number one and number two and people hate that movie. So there is something that you still can force yourself to watch sure. bad movies because you have this either nostalgic reason to them or there's something specifically that draws out that makes you watch it. Um, but number two, again, I, I, I didn't get as much of a, of a love when it first came out in the theaters. Obviously, it didn't make as right. much money. It made less than half of what the first movie made. Uh, but it, it definitely still stands up for me to be like okay yep. this is definitely worth watching it, it definitely aged itself there's there's it's not the same as number one where it can stand right. the test of time but it's still worth watching in my opinion and no i absolutely agree it is i, I mean it was like I, it ended up being way more fun than i thought it just was it just wasn't i think what people were expecting that quick out of the gate from the first movie which is you know before we transition my last i was going to that I don't know why when Shredder falls in the ooze, yes, all of the metal grows too. Like, <laughs> I the same thing, and I, this is something else I want to remind myself to write myself a little note here to talk about in the third movie. There's something else that happens to someone like that, similar to that. Um, that his everything on his body grew, uh, not just him. And yeah. so it was the weird thing is if it would have been that he would have been naked because nothing would have fit him anymore. Right. Well, but also like, and it just was like, I mean, it was dumb by the time yes. that like his spikes were this, you know, like two feet yes. long off his shoulder. Like, so. And also that, that, that he, of... he took him that long to, to get rid of them and he gets the ooze and now he dies instantly by a thing falling on him. As super shredder. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like super shredder was easier to beat than, than non super shredder. Yeah. It was almost like they didn't even need that, that whole thing. Like they no. didn't need the, the, the aspect of having that, 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 that super shredder. Nope. What was the point? Was the point originally that they were going to try to use him again in the third movie as Super Shredder? Exactly. I wonder. Or or if it was just a fun toy because it's a big, giant, spiky Shredder. I mean, I don't yeah. know. But um, but no. I, to, yeah. I, two was great, though. I really enjoyed it. it. I would. Oh, watch and one last thing on two is my favorite voice of any of the Turtles 
in all three movies was Robbie Rist's voice of Mike, Michelangelo in the first or the second movie. I think that he had a cool tone of voice and it made me want to watch him. And he had that fun, like that, that separation from the other turtles that's there. Right. And I did it on purpose. Like, you know, the intelligence on um, some of, you know, the, the idea they had each individual voices that were actually right. recognizable, different voices, but Michelangelo in number two was my favorite voice out of all three movies. Yes. Uh, and, and so my favorite character is Casey Jones out of all three movies, but like in the first movie, but the Michelangelo's voice in the second movie is my favorite, but going into the third movie, the biggest setback in number three that came out in 1993 was the suits. The, the turtle suits were, they went from Henson, stopped doing it. Yep. And a company called the All Effects Company took over. Yep. And they went way too far into the animated look of the characters. The yep. mouths didn't move correctly. The, 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 mouths the mouths were real. terrible. It was a whole yeah. thing. It, uh, one of the scenes that I remember seeing was something that you'd see differently in a current production of this movie is that the ability to take the animatronic suits and match it with CGI is right. to correct things is that yep. there's scenes where you can see the neckline of where the head separates from the, from the suit. Yep. And it's like in a modern technology movie, they would have CGI that out. So you would yes. have the suit, but they do a mixture of the two and that's what would have been fixed. But it's like, it was like, as the progression of power Rangers, the TV show progressed, yep. it was like the villains had like stuffing hanging out of their shirts. And oh, no yeah. one gave a shit. And that's yep. what happened. I feel like in this movie, it was like, okay, we're doing all this stuff. we got a $21 million budget. We're hoping to make the money back. We're just going to go the cheaper company with LFX company. I, I don't know the whole story of why Henson didn't do it anymore. Right. Cause obviously Jim Henson passed away at some point, but it wasn't, he didn't, his company is still doing stuff. Um, right. And the suits just became plain bad. And that before I forget that connection to the first one about the shredder thing is yep. when they go back in time. So they have that time traveling device. Now I forget the name of it was the, the staff of raw. No, um, they go back in time and they switch suits, switch, places so like the guy comes to new york wearing the jean jacket or the leather jacket that april right. o'neill was wearing and so on. when they transition time for some reason her headphones and walkman go with her yes right but nothing else did right and then when they transition the turtles go back in time they have suits and masks that fit them yep. like the turtles are big massive thicker individuals and they have yep. Face masks that fit their turtle face and a helmet which that fits I, their turtle fit head. Yep. Which is funny. I pick only picked that out because I thought they were doing that. They were really hitting hard with the like, it must be whether or not you weigh exactly the same as yes. the other person. Which is I right when they said it, I was like, Well, that's a dumb rule yes. for the time travel. And then, like you said, then I was like, Oh, that still doesn't work. Because like no. you said, these are custom built turtle samurai suits yes <laughs> like, like it's like what the how the hell did that happen and no one no one questions that at all and it's like obviously time travel is not real so this is obviously all fake teenage Mutant ninja turtles aren't real but the idea that was like if you want to make it more realistic they'd, they'd go back in time and they'd be naked they, they wouldn't fit in their yes. clothes they'd, they'd stretch out of their clothes and it'd all be ripped and you'd have to find things and obviously it's not a very fun thing for a teenage person to watching this movie to see them knit together some outfits that fit them so right. obviously just skipping that and just being like whatever um but it just like made me laugh and the fact that nothing else went back and forth except for the walkman and her and, oh right. and uh and what's his face the guy who went switch places with uh, april o'neill his sword went through yep his sword ended up tra transitioning in time too those are the kind of just funny things i'm like what the hell is going on right now with this yes like what and then taylor made a point too and she said Maybe it's because they didn't want to, that they knew the mouth moving was bad. 
and they wanted less scenes right. with the mouths that moving. So they had the 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 masks on. They didn't have to worry about it anymore. But then like five minutes after they transitioned back in time, the mask came off and they were out without masks most of the right. time they were there. So it's just plain bad. And that might be the fall of the entire they might have done a fourth movie if it was looked as good as the first and second movie. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and I mean, that's 93. I mean, I'm trying to think when Turtles really starts losing steam, but it's around there that it starts mm-hmm. really losing that cultural grip that it has. And, and like you said, I think you're right. I, third movie probably piled on the straws on that one because, um, yeah, it was not great. And because it, it is loosely based off of uh, issues 46 and 47 of the Mirage right. comic book days of time travel. Yep. Um, but it, so there is this connection. So the movie, sto- if you look at the overall story, just if I told you right now, I read you the synopsis of this movie, you don't want to watch it. You'd be like, this is, I want to watch this movie. Turtles traveling through time, swapping places, not just traveling through time, but swapping places with people. So those you have to deal with the fish out of water kind of aspect in New York yep. City with these people that are not that are from the past. And the same thing in the opposite way. Um, and But you also could see what was coming. The second they got back in time and there was these connections and yep. relationships starting, you're like, they're not going to want to go back. You can see right. it. I was like, I could see the writing on the wall immediately. I'm like, they're not going to want to go back to the future because of what they're going through in the past. Like right. they're going to want to be there to help protect people and so on. And you could just see that the writing on the wall. And obviously towards the end, two of the turtles are like, no, we want to stay. Right. And I was like, but then I was looking back to the beginning of the movie. I'm like, but didn't, was it um, Donatello say that they'd be turtle soup if they didn't come back within a certain number of days. And I didn't I know if so. that was because they couldn't come back after a certain number of days or yeah. they would die. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, it was like, we're going to stay. It's like, well, that, that's not how it works. At the beginning of the movie, it says you couldn't do that. Right. So there's a bunch of plot holes in it. Um, yeah. But again, as I go about as an overall arching thing, I'll, I'll just say before, if you want to jump in here, is uh, the storyline behind it, the fact that it's not in New York City, that they went somewhere else to do it, which yes. is pretty cool. That and, and Japan was me. a brilliant choice of where yes. to go. I mean, it's ninjas. It makes sense. Like, it's it ninjas and... And Japanese culture in our pop culture is ripping at that point. So like everything about it made sense. It's just the execution wasn't real great. Oh, and the Turtles in Time video game. Yes. Yes. That was all the rage. Yep. So like everything about it made sense. And and, and Uh, what I will say about the first movie too, or as the whole series, as we get close to the end here is the other thing was, is that they just like accepted the time travel. Like she swapped places. And immediately, uh, you know, the Turtles, Master Splinter, all were just like, oh, she just traveled through time. Let's go back and save her. And it was like, it took two seconds for them to go. Yep. Like, obviously, they're Turtles that became Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So they're kind of like, okay, we believe in some of this, this craziness in the world. But like, it was right. just immediately like time travel exists. And immediately, they were just like, let's go back and yep. save her. We can, we can do this. It's easy. We can do this. And it's yep. like. Just immediately, I'm like, okay, no one thought about this at all. Had a discussion about what the hell just yeah. happened. They're immediately just like, okay, let's hold on to this thing and we'll go back in time. And I was like, okay, you're trying to yeah. push too much stuff into a movie and you just have to go past some of the realistic part of it. And they just shoved a bunch of stuff into a movie that was all discombobulated all over the place. So that was just weird to me yeah. um, as a overhaul. And we also, by the third movie, are getting the really goofy splinter. Yeah. Which like a couple of the funny gags are like haha, but like by the end it's like all Splinter's doing is acting like a goof, trying to get people to laugh. Um, 
Because he's at the end, where, end of see, was a movie two where he's like, I made a funny. Yes. That stuff's that's funny. Like you, he makes a joke and he makes a point of making a joke. But in the third movie, he's making all kinds of jokes. And and, and I know. think he again says, I made a funny in the yeah. third one. And I'm like, I know you've already done that. Um, he's a he's becoming so a yeah. senile old man in the bus. He is, yeah, a senile old rat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the third one definitely is the one for me that doesn't really stand up. I enjoyed it. Although I have to say, as we're transitioning to that, yeah. one thing that really through how weirdly those movies change, they try to keep continuity. Like they try to bring in ideas of the backstory. You know, the first movie, we have the original lair. The second movie, we have them building the subway station lair. Yep. And then by the third movie, we have the full-fledged subway, yep. you know, lair that's tricked out and looks cool now. So they do enough that makes, at least makes you feel like I, like you're trying to create some kind of full story yep. here. And so that really stood out to me at the end because I did not really, when I was young and watching those, care. Yeah. And so now I was kind of like, man, they really were trying to keep those pieces together, though. And that that is, you know, that's a positive for sure. And that's funny because they don't want to, like, they're talking about staying back in, uh, or we're talking about, like, uh, who was it? April O'Neil. She was going on vacation and right. how they were upset for living in the sewer. And how they like when they didn't want to go back to the future because of the, they live in a sewer. And as a kid, and even as this time, I'm like that'd be a badass yeah. place to live. I want to live there. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, are you kidding me? De Decommissioned subway station? That'd be freaking awesome. That second one's no joke, man. That's yes. the second one's got that little old, that antique subway car that they have yeah. their living quarters in. Yeah, yes. I, I was like you. I was like, are you kidding me? I want to live here. You want to stay in feudal Japan? <laughs> Where there's like, and then I love it. Donatello's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, you think I could live without a microchip in my life? Like, yeah. are you serious right now? Oh, pl uh, indoor plumbing. Uh, obviously, for turtles, might be a little bit different, but um, it might be. Ooh, you know, we've never plumbed the depths of that, but one exactly. day. Yeah, that'd be a funny story about all the different things like that. Um, second movie was more family friendly, right? They made it more family friendly. Uh, they made yep. the characters themselves in this movie like fun loving, like you know, like the turtles themselves were like happy go lucky, and the and the four. Right. Uh, people who came and swapped positions with them were all like funny and goofy kind of uh, uh, ninjas. Uh, but the funny thing is the third movie had more weapons than any other movie out of the three. Yep. Guns and cannons and, and people getting blown up and, and fighting. Oh yeah, big time. Buildings on fire. And at the very beginning of the movie, I don't know if you picked this up and it's the first time I've ever picked it up, but they're looking in the bags of the gifts that, that April brought them. And might have been Michelangelo looks in one of the bags and goes, I'm going, I'm not peeking. I'm not speaking. I'm spelunking for pornography. Huh? A porn mags or something like that. It was like, okay. They went from the movie, first movie to the second movie where they were like, yeah, Oh, the second movie needs to be more family friendly to the point where maybe the first, second movie was $25 million budget only made 75 or 78. Yep. And they're like, well, we need to go back to the original format by making it more non-family friendly by adding these things in there and it didn't work. It just, it seemed right. like I said, if you watch them all in a row and if we talk about the, the, the three movies as a whole, it just seemed like the whole, they were all over the place. Like they didn't have, they, they have the continuity part that you're talking about, right. but there's still this aspect of like, they didn't know which direction they wanted to go. Family friendly, gritty, you know, weapons, exactly. no weapons and all this different stuff. And it was just like, I, it just, to this, the third movie to me at that point was like a war movie, not a, like a, Saving Private Ryan war movie, but like it was like, right, right, right. Sure. There's a lot more battling and fighting in it than I've ever seen in any of the three movies. And it was just kind of funny how far, how different two and three were in that aspect of it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, 
Yeah, it, I, I mean, you know, it's something I'll touch on, but we've talked, one thing that's interesting always coming back as an adult and looking at these is how differently like I think about them now and and really like when it was all said and done and I'd seen all three what really kind of blew my mind was like I then started thinking about the Batman movies mm -hmm. and how both of these really kind of fall into this very end of the 80s window and it, it and it's bizarre right I mean 1989 we have the Berlin Wall falling yep. a year later we're we're as a least as a society is saying that the cold war is over. Um, Nirvana is starting to drop some of its early records. Mainstream culture music is changing. Frank Miller's just happened mid eighties and we're grappling with that still. And, and it, and what you see is like turtles and Batman are both born out of this thing. They come in the first one they make, they're like, let's lean heavy into the comics. That's where the real writing work has been done. They make these very dark brooding films that, what I also think is, you know, is there a little bit generational? I think the older crowd was into Batman, the younger crowd was more, but they were getting the same kind of thing. And bam, then like the 90s hits, that's done. We yeah. want cartoonish, fun, bright colors, ridiculous comedy, just over the top music. And I never had thought about that before, but watching those three movies was like this little microcosm of the transition from the eighties to the nineties. And it was just as bewildering and jarring as I remember it being mm -hmm. like, you know, what just happened? Like it, it, I just found I this thing I loved. Yes. I love how you're relating this to those, those like the Batman and all that stuff. But the fun thing to me was, and I, and Taylor pointed it out to me also, and just kind of made me think, dive into it is I see a lot of similarities in one, two, and three, of turtles as they do in back to the future one two and three like if you look sure. at it number one is yeah. like what number one is classic the always i mean uh, those three are far I'm, I'm sorry to say but number one for teenage Mutant ninja turtles is amazing all three back to the future movies to me are always amazing but oh, and maybe one incredible. of these days we'll do a back to the future uh yeah, trilogy sure. talk but um that number two was okay a little bit like okay we see where you're going but it wasn't as good as one and number three they go to old west so it's like it's yeah. the same idea where they jumped exactly. ship and was like okay we're done doing hill valley in this time obviously it's hill valley because they, they that's the whole point of the movie but like sure. you do this old west hill valley which is completely different looking than anything else because even the futuristic hill valley didn't look that much different than the original like what the 60s right hill valley it was different but not it was you can't go future you can't make it look that much different. flying cars obviously and stuff like that but like exactly. hill valley in the west looked completely different so it was the same thing with the feudal japan was like it could look completely different it was like okay we did number one yep. we did number two now let's just go off the rails and go all the way back in time to some sort of time where there isn't indoor plumbing where there isn't you know refrigeration and electricity and all that stuff and, and that's what they did in this movie so i can see some similarities were like okay that someone in the offices for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies were like, oh, look what they did over at Back to the Future because that would have been right around the same right. time. And well, we did the exact same thing. And that's what I kind of what brought the Batman in for me was like, you know, Michael Keaton Batman was like shocking to people, like th what this thing was. Then Batman Returns came out and I remember being like, okay, like you're doing it yeah. different, but I'm with you. I see what you're doing. And then Batman Forever comes out and people are like, all right, you're losing me. And it does the same thing. It leans into the, the Jim Carrey, the bright colors, the goofy. So I don't know what's, like I said, I really think it's just all of this crap from the 80s is ending and yep. people want a different aesthetic now. And unfortunately, that's not a good place to be when you're starting a trilogy. Yes. 
and so. that, yeah, and that's and that's forever. But I still think you know, as a whole series of watching the movie, watching we watched them. Adam and I talked about this for a couple of weeks. I watched one and two pretty much back to back. I watched number three last night, but they were close enough that they all transitioned into each yeah. other pretty well. Uh, they're not super long. They're not super hard to watch. Um, it, it's they're worth the package. Like mm-hmm. if you had to choose one and, and you only watch one, then you don't get a chance to watch two and three. I don't think you'd be sad. I don't think the world would be over for you. I think you could get on without doing it, but I do think that they have this time in place mm-hmm. for all three of those films. They each have their own individual positives. They each have their own individual negatives. None of them are by far anywhere. Perfect. Um, there is this aspect of nostalgia for us. Like there is this, throwback that I remember this from a yep. kid, you know, showing this to my son in a couple of years when he's old enough, he might not care as much as I would because of the way that it works and technology and, and sure. the effects and all that stuff. But I do think there's enough people, 35 to 41, 42, 45 year old people in our generation that would watch a remake of these movies with people in, in suits. And like, like yep. you mentioned, even if it has Casey Jones, Elias comes back as Casey Jones as an, as an older person. Even if it is that, honestly, Paul, talk on our heartstrings, have Master Splinter die in the movie. Like, have this be that he's too yes. old, and that's the reason they're avenging his death in this movie. Make it a little bit more gritty, right. not for kids. Put it on Netflix or Hulu yes. or HBO Max or whatever kind of connection you can yep. get out there. For, and make this you know, movie think, for us. Like they did with, yes. honestly, I, it's not obviously exactly. the same. They made... Men in Black 4, for, uh, for the people who watched Men in Black back in the day. Sure. They didn't make it for current people or younger yep. people. They made Toy Story 4 for us, right. the people who watched Toy Story when we were younger. They, did, they need to make a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for us, not for the Nickelodeon crowd no. when Nickelodeon and I, bought them. I know, and I, feel like, and I don't want to tell you all to make Last Ronin into a movie or a series. They but- do, but yeah. But no, I'm joking. Like, I'm saying, like, that's, as we talk about this, I'm like, the Last Ronin is so, like, perfect for our like you said for the people that have been invested from the beginning because it has all of those aspects that started with the movie and the cartoon yeah. and the comics and the um so yeah i mean something like that would i i think especially now with the little bit of momentum with turtles yes, yes. And, and and for you and i and we talked on the marvel versus dc side that i'm not huge into the dark gritty comic book stuff like i think there's sure. a place for it and i'm always saying that's yep. a problem with marvel or dc and you said the same thing he's like dc has this thing about dark deep you know you know aesthetics to their comic book yes movies. always and there was something that was a mixture of both in number one for teenage mm-hmm. ninja turtles that kind of faded yes. away in two and three but i feel like they could get back into that and doing that because i mean let's be honest the very first comic book by by Laird and Eastman and Laird was dark and gritty and let's do that mm-hmm. and honestly it'd be fun as hell if they did us you know episodes like a Netflix series that was a six or seven or 10 part series. And they did the last Ronin series. And one of the episodes was an homage and was just in black and white or all sure. the throwback scenes. Cause obviously in the last Ronin, don't want to give out who it is. If you haven't read another, but there's right. only one turtle left. All the other ones have passed away. Splinter's passed yeah. away. And it's this one turtle left kind of avenging yeah. the death of his, of his brothers um, is all those flashback scenes that you have all four turtles in make those in black and white to pay homage yes. to the original comic book being in black and white. Well, like, And in last Ronin, are, aren't yeah. our flashbacks drawn by... Ben, uh, flashbacks, flashbacks are drawn by Ben Bishop, by, so, which is from, from Maine. So. That's what it was, yep. But still, that idea of like using a different you know, and style. Laird, so which, H, uh, uh, Eastman and Laird have written the... So Eastman and Laird wrote the... Exactly. The overarching story of last Ronin. Yep. 
Eastman's writing the books currently, like as they go issue to issue. Right. And Eastman has some segments of the movie that he draws himself. So it's the the, the two brothers yeah. that drew the actual comic book. And then Ben Bishop does the flashbacks. And gotcha. then, ben, yep. uh, then Eastman has done some other type of flashbacks as well. Yep. Um, but there's this this way you can make the show to the point. And I think it would be perfect as a show. A movie would be great, but I think a show would do well. I think an I HBO Max type show where you can show grittiness. Honestly, it's gotten to the point where Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is not a teenager anymore. He's older. He's no. an adult. And so let him swear. Let him have there be blood and have you know people die. And, and, and like I said, yep. if you actually had them avenging a death of, a, of their brothers or Splinter or yep. something, then it is one of those cool, I think it was something that, you know, I'm in this group called the Bish Kids for with Ben Bishop. We're in this Discord group together. There's over 200 people in this group now. 195, if not more, of those are adults. So if of you course. think about the aspect of people being fans of the Turtles nowadays, yes, obviously these kids, it's owned by Nickelodeon. So like you, right. you the kids are, there's kids' toys for tur Turtles nowadays. There's animated shows. There's the movies that are coming out nowadays. Yep. Make those for the kids. Make something that pays homage to our early '90s movies, the early '90s or early, late '80s cartoons, the original comic books, and do something the first for us. Because I feel like right. it would do, it would make two hundred million dollars if it was in the theaters, easily. Oh my god, make two hundred million dollars. I mean, and so like, and we haven't seen like like you said. Now we we could still use physical suits; they would be mm -hmm. so much better. We can correct some of this. Like as we had said back in the first movie, they filmed largely that dark. Yeah. Kind of set because yeah. it hit a lot of the mistakes yeah. now we can see what we can really do i yeah I, as a series i think it would absolutely just kill it but and they've got to bring back elias as casey jones yes and, and it, it, you could also do the mixture of a suit with not a real it's a flat mouth on the suit with motion capture things on it and you motion capture the mouth so then you make sure. it more realistic so the mouth's actually moving we more more believable more amazing on that aspect but but the suit itself there was something about it and the only way i'd say it'd be i'd be okay and sign off on it not that they're asking my approval or opinion is if they were to make the cgi look like the suits that's the only way i could see it if you motion captured and then it sure. looks like the suits you didn't yep. make it look like the current ones the current uh, the, uh, the michael bay movies i don't there's something about those turtles they just look fake the turtles themselves looked like the animated turtles from the they're show. just not you can you can try to reimagine the turtles. I think we had talked about this with somebody there any way you want. Like I'll the, the Michael Bay movie as a sit down, watch it beginning to end. It's fun. Yeah. It's adventure. It's the turtles are way too big yes. of a cultural icon to change. You can't yep. do it. You you have the cartoon turtles, the comic turtles, and the first movie turtles. Those yep. are the turtles. Yep. Like and that's the way you've always seen it. We've seen it in comic books as general. Their artists move from artist to artist to artist, but Batman is relatively drawn the same way in each comic book. Like you, right. you, there's a way to draw Batman. There's a way to draw Superman. There is this envisioning. The one thing I will say about the turtles over the span, span of the turtles being drawn from Mirage to you know IDW and all this stuff yep. is they do change and everybody has their own aesthetic yeah, to way the way they make the turtles look, but there's still yep. a basic look to a turtle nowadays. Like Ben Bishop's right. turtles looks like a turtle and Kevin Eastman's turtle looks like his turtle, Except, but they yep. still have this basic overall arching. This is what a turtle looks like. The original, like think about it. You've seen it. The original, original drawing that Kevin yep. Eastman drew of yep. the turtles looks completely different than a turtle looks nowadays, but mm -hmm. that was the original drawing and it's morphed over the time. But now it was years yep. ago, years and years and years ago that that changed. It was immediately after that, honestly, that changed because that drawing was a first right. drawing, but 
it's morphed into a way that the turtle looks a certain way. And I picture in my mind, the turtles from the animated show, the turtles from the current comic books and the turtles from those movies. Well, it's a great, this is, this is actually Tim Veitch. This was a limited run, but like that's still, it still has the aesthetic of what a turtle turtle looks like. Yes. Also the the other one is that more yellow in the third movie, their center, their, their, their undercarriage here was like this brown color. Like it wasn't yellow. Yes. Like that. I would love this to be yellow. It's the same thing. I'd love for them to make an ingenious way when they introduce the X-Men into the Marvel Cinematic Universe to introduce in some sort of way the yellow and blue costumes. So I want that almost comic booky looking thing to it. And even even if they did the TV show like this, that they would have flashbacks, the flashbacks looked like that. Right. The current character is more dark and gritty. So he doesn't, it's all worn away now. It's, it's stained, it's, it's scratched, it's scarred and, you know, gritty, but like have the flashbacks be more bubbly and like remembering his fun times. Uh, Again, I don't want to give away who the last Ronin is. If you haven't read it, end of this year, hopefully we will be talking the last Ronin on a non other comic book, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode, because the final issue will be coming out and hopefully we'll be able to do a little yep. couple episodes on that a little wrap up of us reading it and then have, have some special guests on to talk about yes. the actual uh, comic book as well. But as an overarching thing, watch these movies. I, they're on HBO Max. Yes. We talked about it last week. They're on yep. HBO Max. You can watch them if you have a subscription. Uh, go and buy them. Like They're available on DVD. Actually, that's funny. Exactly. That, uh, is it TMNT3 uh, was the final Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie of all time. So even the newer ones that was available on VHS. So like I believe the, that the yeah. next three really the, 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 the remakes or whatever, the newer ones, the CGI and Michael Bay movies, those are all only available on DVD or Blu-ray yeah. or whatever. Oh yeah. The last TMNT movie to be available on VHS was, was TMNT three um, back in 1993, which is kind of cool. Also the, the retro part of it. So if you really want to get retro and nostalgic on it, Buy them on VHS, throw them in your VCR and watch them on VHS. This is like my dream lately that I keep bugging my wife about is I want like a period TV with a refurbished period VCR. And I'm just going to go around and buy VHS tapes at thrift shops and watch them all the time. Because that's, I agree. There's something I like, it doesn't work on the big flat screens. No, like it wasn't made for them. Maybe we'll get to that point. Because of the fact that, I mean, I have a record player now and I listen to vinyl all the time. Maybe we'll actually get to that point where we actually want to go back and having, I mean, VCRs are not cheap to buy right now, dude. No. If you try to buy buy on eBay, they're 50 or $60. Get one for our our studio. Yes, exactly. And we could do some real cool viewings on like an old, what we need to do, go to like find ourselves an old big screen TV from one of those projection ones. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun. But yeah, like Justin was saying though, man, if you watch all of them, but yes. if you haven't seen one, like we'll see it. it's a stand, it's a stand up movie. And even we'll if it's it. not your favorite thing, even I had forgotten until I really went back through this, what a big deal that was culturally. Mm-hmm. Like you need to at least see it. Like that movie was huge. And it was inv- innovative. Like I said, big time. I have it in every single one of these notes I have for each movie, flipping and doing ninja yes. stuff karate and stuff like that in those suits i will always pay respect to those 10 or 12 or 13 whoever the people were that did the suits at the, yeah. in each individual movie because they were all different another benefit of having suits is you didn't have to have the same characters playing the same things there was no delineation no. in my mind michelangelo in movie two was my favorite voice but that's because it stood out just just exactly. far enough the rest of them you would never have known that they were different characters playing the different people like that's Boy, you that could- was good enough actually have martial artists yes doing i mean that's fantastic that part in the documentary where he's like and then i all of a sudden was like hey guys we can just use stuntmen yes 
And then all of a sudden they were like, okay, we can do this. Yep. <laughs> like, and you, in, 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 in their contracts, the, 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 the unions in Hollywood, one person can do up to three uh, voiceovers for animated films or for films under the same pay as they can for one voice. So you could actually get someone to voice three of the turtles for the price of one voicing person and then get right. cheaper stuntmen to do the other thing. So it would cost you less if the yeah. actual suits cost more to do than the CGI. Cause that's exactly. part of it nowadays is that sometimes those suits are more expensive and shooting sucks oh, and, and all this other stuff to do it. So I would just love Jim Henson to come back or the Henson production company to come back yes. and do the suits and, and all of that. Let's go nostalgic on this. Let's bring it back to the original nineties. Yeah. I mean, this is the time to do it though. That's the thing. 10 years from now, it may be the nostalgic of the nineties might be passed. We've talked about it over on a brewing yes. company that like the tubular theme is awesome right now, but five years from now, someone could give two shits about exactly. 1990s Saved by the Bells type theme. It could nope, probably be 2000s. Be, it could be aging itself out. So I yep. think there's something to say about making something in the next five years of yep. a 90s throwback doing it. And you could even extend it. It could be the movie four. Keep the, keep the storyline going. And it's just the fourth yep. movie. And it happens to be a couple of years later. And this movie is still based in the nineties. Like you still could do. Honestly, this. that would be the brilliant way to do it. It would be kind of like that, the way star Wars cleaned up some of their Canon, which is like, Nope, leave all that in place. Yeah. We'll do the Mandalorian. It'll bring everything kind of back a little bit. And then we can start a new, but like, yeah. if they could do that with turtles, like you said, don't just keep those three movies a hundred percent Canon. Yeah. And put a cap on it. A brilliant one, but. I'd be fun. So like I said, uh, overall, Adam and I are in agreement on this. This is a series to watch. All three yep. of them is worth watching. You will, it does go back. Like it does, you might get less enthusiastic about watching the movies as they go along, but they all have their own place and time and they all have their own story. That's great. And it's worth, they, yes. they capture your attention the entire time. It's not like you're getting bored through the movies. They all have something to watch. There's fun things to do about it. Uh, and, and they're classic. And that's the thing. So they're always be classic to me. And all three of the movies be worth watching. Every time I watch number one, I watch number two and three. And always will. Yep. There's never a time where I'm going to watch number one. And then even if I, you and I got together with our wives and you're like, oh, let's watch number one. You and I would probably go home afterwards. And then over the next few yep. days, watch two and three, just so we can complete the cycle yep. of the three movies. Um, I have not seen the most recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies that come I out. I haven't either. I've seen the first one of the remakes, but everything out or the remakes, the seen. next edition. But um, so I will watch some of these, and I guess they're coming out with another one at some point too. And so I'll we'll watch those, and maybe we'll do a different one of how they're relating them yeah. to these ones. But um, right now the classic movies are still uh deep in my heart as the best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Agreed, and I and this is the time to watch them because, like yeah. I said, with all everything going on right now, like you, that's going to be your quickest way to tap in to what Ronan yes. is talking about. Yeah. Exactly. So. And so to tie this in and wrap this up, this is kind of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of thing going on here is that yep. you can meet Judith Hogue at the Bangor Comic and Toy Con on October 1st through the 3rd, coming in as April O'Neil. To also tie that in, you can uh, sit there and take a picture with her in the sewer layer because feature presentations is going to be there. They have a whole set that looks like a part of the sewer That's layer cool. for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is pretty cool. And even to tie it even, even more, Steve Levine, one of the original artists for uh, Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles. Jim Lawson, again, one of the original artists for Mirage Studios yeah. for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ben Bishop, who does current Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff. Uh, and then a couple of the other artists that are going to be there have done Last Ronin variants and other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles variants. So at Comic-Con this year, if you're in the Bangor, greater Bangor area or all over the state of Maine, come up to this Comic-Con because you can meet a yes. bunch of the people who were involved in the early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles things yeah. at the Bangor Mall, which is pretty fun. So we're excited for that, uh, for sure. And it's huge. Um, I mean, these yes. guys are like, these guys are legends. 
like yes. what you're, I mean, the, some of these early TMNT drawers, I mean, if you're a fan artist or fan of any of the art with like the, it, the, it, the, the group coming is amazing. Yes. I, like I said, and, I almost have a nerd, nerdgasm every time yes. I think about it. Like in T- turtle power, the definitive story, teenage mutant, history, teenage yes. mutant Ninja Turtles history. That's the documentary we're talking about. You can find that online too. That's real worth watching too. And that actually brings into light. Some of these yes. characters, some of these guys too, Steve Levine, and Jim Lawson too, because yes, they're exactly. part of that storyline at the Mirage studios yeah. back in the day uh, that started here in new England, which is where we are. Um, exactly. And then, so otherwise you can catch these episodes, you know, last week's episode with, with Paul Eaton of galactic comics, give us yep. a little update about his shop. Uh, and talk that uh, next week we're going to talk clerks because again trying to get this whole p- preparedness for the comic-con that's coming up so we're going to rewatch and and review clerks there'll be one movie yep. review and that's more it's obviously not comic book specific related but i think we can tie some things right. in there like kevin smith sold his comic book collection to make the movie uh it's also yep. a pop culture style thing and that would be and i'm going to drop the bomb on you now i have never seen clerks see i don't know what it, i don't i don't know what it's about I don't know anything other than Kevin Smith and that's it. I literally, I have no idea what the clerks is about. That's perfect. Cause that'll bring it all in. I watched it a few times. I love the history. I love Kevin Smith. I listen to his podcast a lot. So there's that aspect of bringing in someone who's just watched it for the first time and who have me sitting watching it. Again I'm excited to watch it for the second. first time. Sometimes I love when I haven't yeah. seen a movie for like 20 years after it came out. It's yeah. fun to watch it for a first And I time. think it still holds up. It's again, one of those movies that didn't do well. It didn't do well did okay when it was first released but is now actually in like it's put into the what's it called the library of congress whatever where they put like it's yep. a historical yes significance of an independent yep. film and so that's that's fun about it too so we'll watch that next week and talk about that next week so we can discuss getting yes. ready for the clerks reunion at the bangor comic and toy con exactly. in bangor maine so that'd be fun but until then you can subscribe and follow to us on facebook or yes facebook and instagram for social media at capes and tights podcast Twitter again, it's fairly new. We're still grabbing the followers there, but that's Capes Tights Pod. And then you can subscribe, follow on Apple and Spotify and all your major podcasting platforms. But if you subscribe or follow on Apple, you can also review and rate the podcast. Five yes. stars is welcome. Uh, if you have any questions about the podcast, reach out to us. Uh, Capes Tight Capes and Tights at summitmedia.com. We're going to change that here pretty soon because I would like to get a comic, a Capes and Tights podcast. I just haven't got a chance to make it yet uh it's s-o-m-o-u-n-t media.com just so you know it's on the note show notes as well on the podcasting platforms if you want to email us and reach out um if you want to reach out to something that's a little bit easier hello at the main state of mind.com you can also get to us there and talk to us or you can message us on facebook instagram uh twitter we'll get the messages from you and talk Definitely. about tmnt and so yeah so follow us and rate us and review us and all that stuff Capes and Tights podcast or Capes and Tights.com is also an easy way to get all of that information for sure. Absolutely. But, um, but definitely watch it. HBO Max has all the f- movies on there. I'm hoping some of you guys own the movies because they're definitely well worth yes. it having in your library uh, and watch them and let us know what you guys think too. So if you want to be prepared for next week, watch Clerks as well so that you're ready to listen to the movie review before you actually um, see that. Like, so you're not watching the movie for the first time after you've heard our review of the exactly. movie. Exactly. Because we are yes. going to spoil it. Any of these reviews we're going to do, by the way, are going to spoil the movie. It's, oh, I yeah. don't want to do reviews that don't spoil the movie. Um, so in the future, anytime you listen to a podcast, it's about a review of a movie. We're going to spoil the movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, that's just the way it is. I don't like reviews I, that don't spoil I don't the think movie. It's, so. I don't think it's fun if you don't. <laughs> no. So it's just like watching a trailer. You might as well just watch exactly. a trailer. A review with you don't spoil the movie is the same as a trailer. So. Um, What's the brilliance yeah. about days like today too is that with TMNT, if you haven't seen it by now, 
not my problem. There is a time frame where we don't, if you haven't seen it, then there's no more. Like, honestly, I honestly think nowadays in pop culture, comic book movies, you have a year. If someone hasn't seen the movie within a year, yes. you're either not going to see it or it's not my responsibility to stop you from being exactly. spoiled from it. So, uh, you know, we're doing that. And we'll do that with our um, reviews of current movies. We are going to do some reviews of like, we are going to do a Shang-Chi review. We're going to do an Eternals review. We're going to do these comic book related movies reviews, but we're planning to do them the 45 day window after the movie's release where it will be on streaming services. Um, Cause we're thinking to ourselves, it's probably better to have the majority of people who want to watch the movie have seen the movie before yes. we listen to the review. My buddies over at the Friends from Work podcast released their Shang-Chi review last week. I have yet to see the movie because I haven't had time. And so I'm waiting to listen to that episode. So if they would have released it when it's on streaming, I would have listened to it immediately afterwards. So exactly. we're going to do that. That's our plan for now is to wait. Maybe in the future, a year from now, we'll do it. We'll go see it opening weekend. We'll schedule some time uh, to do that. But as of right now, what the majority of the people who are trying to be safe and, yep. and responsible to be able to see the movie. So the Shang-Chi movie will come out sometime um, in November, I believe, because that would be 45 days yep. after it hit the theaters or sometime in October. But that's what we're doing. That's our plan for movie reviews. So this has been the TMNT original series, original movie review. I hope you guys liked it. Again, subscribe and follow and reach out to us. I'm Justin. And this is in Capes and Tights podcast. I'm Adam. Have a good one, guys. Thanks. Thanks.